The offering's been so good lately, we're going to need armed guards. I know I joke about the offering all the time, but it's really, it's really exciting as a community of believers, as a family, when the offering's healthy. It, it, it's a sign of, of the unity within the house when we sow in the house with expectation of what God's going to do. So um, I, I, I love offering time. And I keep saying, it should be a joyous time. You should smile, really. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's more smiles at a funeral sometimes. You know, it's all right, you can smile when you give to God. It's good stuff. Especially if you've got a wife or a husband or a partner that's doing that, saying, come on, put in some more. Has God ever done that to you? I find that, it's ringing a bit, Stephen, sorry. Um, I find that as I journey with the Lord and my relationship with Him becomes personal, He speaks to me in a way that would offend others, yeah? <laughs> but that I understand, <laughs> completely understand. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, come and see me after the service and I'll share a story about when I gave an offering and I went into my pocket and I, I carry a money clip. There's not much in it. There's only $15 in the moment. I've always had a money clip for years. And um, there was an offering time and I keep the, the bigger notes on the outside smaller notes on the inside habit i guess it's an obsessive cash disorder yeah so i I remember at an offering time going into my money clip and playing around in my pocket because you don't want people to see you know trying to get it open and get to the note that's on the inside because that's where the smaller note is yeah and then god spoke so clearly to me and at the time i was still living in the western suburbs of melbourne and he had a western suburb slant on his voice to me let me tell you (laughs) but i'll share it with you later needless to say the little note went back in and the big note came out yeah not because of guilt just because he spoke to my heart in a way that i would understand i I love offering time it's it's good fun um last week we spoke about um god doing um the metamorpho the transformation in us for those that we hear and the importance of understanding what we're going through in the seasons of our life because sometimes we don't see it because the transformation in, in us happens in our heart but we also can't see what's happening in others so being mindful of that you know we need to i guess look through not the world's point of view but rather his point of view as the scripture says yeah um there was a really stephen got a, a beautiful vision and he tried to share it through communion but i think he's articulated it better um, on Facebook for those that are on Facebook Adria had a good idea so if we can fit it I'll try to get um, parts of this in our newsletter because I, I think it's a word uh, for our church and so I just want to share a snippet of it because I think it's in line with what we spoke about last week and in line with what I want to go to today is that okay so sorry Stephen I'm reading it uh, hopefully I'll do it some justice um, where are we I had it all set ready to go okay It seemed to me that, and some of it won't make sense, but it will. It seemed to me that when we fall ill or are injured and such, we quickly take up an expectation of what that means to us as we move forward. I saw in the spirit we make for ourselves, and sometimes with the help of the enemy, a mantle or coat for ourselves, which on account of our expectations, we willingly don. It's an extension on another theme I've taught in several, let's jump that. Now, How has, um, and he talks about this, a blind or crippled person living in the Second Temple era would present themselves to the Sanhedrin at the temple and would receive from them a cloak or mantle authorizing them to beg in the streets of Jerusalem. Is that, that's pretty clear, yeah? 
People would see the beggar was authorised to beg and be able to give with confidence. One such robe gets a mention in Mark 10, 49 to 50. And this is the part that I think is for us. It reads, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up, he's calling for you. Verse 50 reads, he threw off his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. The blind man's act of faith was to throw off the coat by which he made his living because he wanted a fuller and richer life, one he knew Jesus would give him, yeah? These coats of authority, albeit authority to beg, were given as a blessing. But were they really a blessing? The blind man of Mark 10 got his real healing when he first threw off his coat, yeah? What I'm seeing now is our infirmities, injuries and illnesses are like these coats that we put on or have thrust suddenly upon us. Now, it's God's will for us there be no infirmity, injury or sickness, but that coats are comforting to a wounded spirit, even as the blind man's coat would have been a comfort to him, knowing he would get, he would get on it, you know, by on account of it. The comfort we receive from the coats we put on can include sympathy from others, an excuse for not succeeding in a chosen path, or for choosing not to choose a path at all, a lingering excuse for a bad situation, attitudes, lazy theology, or half-hearted worship. The list goes on and on. If the blind man was just going for a blessing, this is important. If the blind man was just going for a blessing, he would have taken his coat. He would have taken off his coat, or made sure, uh, should say, he would have taken his coat with him. Excuse me, not reading well at the moment. Or made sure it was safe in the hands of a trusted friend. But having been called forward, he threw it off and went to Jesus with genuine expectation for complete healing and restoration. Look, it's just it's a brilliant, brilliant passage and a brilliant bit of truth that Stephen shared. And so last week we were talking about this transformation that's within us that we have to understand because when we understand that people are going through seasons of transformation, when we look at them, we don't just see an angry person with anger brooding on them. What we realize if we look through God's eyes is that they've actually got a, they've got a coat on, if, if you will. Yeah? There's something happening in their life. Now, being able to look through God's eyes, we know he's doing a work on, in, on the inside of them. And eventually, they will throw off that coat. All of us have been in seasons of our life where we have acted one way only for God to come and restore and refresh, and now we're brand new creatures in that area of our life, yeah? Today, I want to I continue on that because I, I want to unpack what I'm going to call the adoptive love of God. So the adoptive love of God changes stuff. It changes the way that we perceive ourselves. It changes the way that we perceive people. And in fact, so much so, if we can understand the adoptive love of God, it brings us to a place that regardless of who we think we are, it creates for us and gives us a brand new identity where we can throw off the old coat, yeah, and walk in the newness of what he wants to give us. So hopefully I will, <laughs> I will make, make some sense of what I'm trying to say with the vision that Stephen had, yeah? If you read it for yourself, I'm sure you'll read it better than I did and it'll make some sense to you, is that okay? So I was listening to a podcast by Phil Mason um, from a church in New South Wales called New Earth Tribe in Byron Bay and in his podcast he, he read from a particular scripture and it just jumped out at me and so I've just been pondering it this week um, and just sitting with it and so what I want to try to do today to the best of my ability is share some of those ponderings really if that's okay because I think we're family and so I know I always say that I'm not going to preach and I end up preaching, but again, I'm not going to preach. I'm going to try to share and know that somewhere in it, I'll probably end up preaching again. Is that okay? I hope so. Barry, smile. It's okay. So I, I, I need to set a foundation because our vision, Mount Clear Church's vision is to engage with God, 
his church and his people, yeah? And basically what it, what, what it says and what it means to us is that everything about our relationship with him starts with him, starts with engaging with him. It starts with our relationship growing in him, yeah? And as we start to engage with him, we start to realise who we really are, our true identity, our original design. And we start to have real encounters with God, not just knowledge on paper, yeah? Because all the things that Jesus did can't even be written, yeah? So it's not just knowledge on paper, it becomes a real experience that we can share with others that are around us, yeah? So it starts with him engaging with him. As we learn to engage with him, as we become real and transparent and authentic with him, he teaches us how to live that life, not only with him, but those within his church, his people, his family. And so we start to live out this authenticity within our family. But as we continue to grow, it then flows naturally out of us to his people, those that don't know him yet, yeah? Because let's face it, everybody out there is God's child. And he wants to redeem each and every one of them, yeah? So, basis, let's move forward. The scripture was 1 John 3.1. 1 John 3.1, and I, I, I like the King James and the New King James wording of it. It just, for me, it just throws some stuff out that you can flesh out a bit more. And it's, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it didn't know him. I want to focus on the beginning what manner of love has the Father bestowed? Now, it's not written as a question. It's written as a, a statement of fact, like what manner of love? But I think it's actually better for us almost to read it as a question. What manner of love, what kind of love is it that God bestows upon us the titles of sons and daughters? You know, what type of love is it? See, a love that the Father bestows and that he gives us, that he imparts to us, that, that we're now called his children. We're now called his sons and daughters. You know, what manner of love is this? It's almost like a statement of surprise, yeah? Like, wow, I'm now his son and daughter. What type of love is it that now I'm a child of God? I once was a sinner, lost and alone, now having been saved by his grace, I'm now a child of God. What type, what type of love is this? This is extraordinary, extraordinary, yeah? This is supernatural. It's supernatural. It, it's like it doesn't make sense. What manner of love is this? Well, it's a love that loved us first, isn't it? It's a love that's given us a home. Yeah? It's a love that restores, that frees, that forgives, that saves. It's a love that has adopted us and brought us into his family. Amen? You can make noise at any time. Yeah? You can certainly make noise at any time. I expect quietness like this at a soccer game, but certainly not. No, not. Just that was my little, you know. But not, not at a church service where we're talking about Father. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the, the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves, yeah, who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. 
so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So this is what I want to suggest, that this kind of love, this manner of love, the, the love that Papa pours out on us is an adoptive love. It's an adoptive love. That word's really, really important, yeah? Because we're in a season now, worldwide, where I believe Papa's breathing in the church a deeper understanding of our adoption. I believe now in the church, across the globe, there's a deeper understanding that's being breathed within, into the life of families everywhere of the reality of our adoption, a deeper understanding of that. Because when we have a deeper understanding of our adoption, it brings a deeper understanding of our identity, yeah? Because now we have a new identity. It brings an understanding of our original design. It just does that. It, they go hand in hand. And actually, in fact, as you read particularly the New Testament, adoption is a major theme that Paul focuses on through a lot of his books. Like he flat out focuses on it. He talks about it in a lot of his writings. And adoption defines our identity. It defines our identity, yeah? It also defines our mission, though. I'll maybe talk about that later. So it's important that we understand this. It's important that the moment he adopted us, that we understand the moment he adopted us, we became sons and daughters. So we now have keys, yeah, to his home. Think about it, for those of you that are parents or even grandparents, when you're finally giving the keys to the house or keys to your car, to your children, that's a real place of trust, isn't it? Like seriously, particularly cars. <laughs> I'd give my keys, to, if I had a bungalow, I'd give them the keys to the bungalow, but I'm still not sure about the house. And I don't have to worry about a car for another 10 years, you know, so I'm okay there. But it's a, it's a place of trust. He's now given us keys to heaven because we have unlimited access since we've been adopted and brought into his family, yeah? See, so we now carry within us an authority that changes atmospheres everywhere we go because the fullness of the living God lives within us. We have this brand new identity. And isn't it funny that... For me, adoption is being highlighted so that we can have a deeper understanding of who we are, what our true identity is. We're now across the globe, more than any other time in history, there are men and women that are seeking and looking and trying to discover who they are. All over the world. Trying to find who they really are. I'm not a man, I'm a woman, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. We can go into a, a stack of other stuff. Trying to discover who they are, their true identity. The reason it's not being found and it's all muddled and missed is because if it's not involved with Father, if it's not involved with Papa, if we don't understand that we've been adopted into a family, we don't understand who we really are, yeah? Think about it for a minute. We have the answer. What motivated Jesus to come into the world? Was it the cross? Was he motivated to come and to die? That's what a lot of places would teach. But God's motivated by love, yeah? The outcome of that love is the horrific death that paid the price for us. But it wasn't the death that he was so intoxicated with that drove him there, yeah? It was the love. So what motivated Jesus? It was the adoptive heart of the Father. Because Father God wants to redeem every single man, woman and child across the face of the globe. So he made a way. So adoptive love is the heartbeat of heaven. 
And that's why I love this passage of Scripture. What manner of love is this? When you ask it as a question, you know? What type of love is this that can do this? You know, we wrongly assume often, you know, when we look at, at families that adopt, because I, I think when we look at adoptive parents, we often, I think often those parents look for those that are the most broken, yeah? People that are wanting to adopt often want to pour love into a child that doesn't have it. That's their heart. They want to pour love into a child that doesn't have it. The children that need their love the most. And, and, and as I was saying, I think we wrongly assume that people only adopt because they can't have children. It's not right. It's not true. That is a major factor, no doubt. But generally speaking, people adopt because they just want to pour love onto children that don't have it, that need it, yeah? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always amazed when I look at families and, and individuals that, that foster care, that adopt. You know, I'm just amazed by them. I, 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 I often look and think, man, I, I, I couldn't do that. And, and even when they're doing that, when they're adopting, they're not adopting the perfect child. They're not adopting me. They, they, no, sorry. I just needed you to make sure everyone's awake, yeah? So they're not adopting the perfect child. They just want to pour love into a child's life, yeah? That's what they want to do. You see it all the time, particularly even with those that foster. And I, and I just think it's a special love. It's such a special love. It's an adoptive love. It's the type of love that Papa has planned for us since the beginning. You know, they... They need to give the adopted child lots of individual time, understanding, support, and sometimes more than what we need to give to our own birth children. It's a special type of love. So what manner of love is this? What type of love is this? You know, around the world every year, there are millions of children that are adopted. Millions. And you know why? I found this in a kid's book. I love it. I'll read it to you. I don't know the author, I didn't write it down, uh, but it, the book's called We Belong Together and it puts it like this. You needed a home and I had one to share. You needed someone to help you grow healthy and strong and I had help to give. You needed someone to love you and we had love to give. So if that's the heart of people when it comes to adoption, how much greater is Papa's heart? How much greater is the Father's heart? You know, what manner of love is this? Ever wondered why he did this for us? Why he adopted us? Let's use the example in the kid's book. We needed an internal home and God gave us a home in heaven. We needed someone to help us to grow and he's there to help us every day. We needed someone to love us and he loved us more than anyone ever could. Yeah? We have to get our theology right. Yeah? He's God. All right, he's totally God. And when he adopted us, it wasn't plan B. Yeah? It wasn't plan B. It wasn't my original plans not working. My kids aren't panning out. Jesus is a failure. I'm going to adopt some new kids. It's not a plan B. It is his plan. We've got to understand this because often we go, we're so fortunate, we're so lucky that second time round, he chose to adopt us. 
That was his plan from the beginning. His plan from the beginning was to adopt you. Because he's God. He created heaven and earth, all of creation. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's going to do before he does it. And adopting us was his plan full stop. I want you to watch this quick video because it makes some sense on adoption and particularly the pl his plan in it. Thanks, Laurie. Who's watched Lion, by the way? Yeah? John heard Mantosh is out on the boat. Doing the lobster run. It's due back tomorrow. So I'll be flush for cash back on the hard stuff. Sorry you couldn't have your own kids. What are you saying? Man. We Listen to the words. Weren't blank pages, were we? Like your own would have been. You weren't just adopting us, but our past as well. And I feel like we're killing you. I could have had kids. What? We chose not to have kids. We wanted the two of you. That's what we wanted. We wanted the two of you in our lives. That's what we chose. She is heartbroken. Love pouring out for the other son, if you haven't seen the movie, who's wayward. And that particular son says, Mum, I'm so sorry, you know, that you couldn't have your own kids, that you had to adopt us. Because you, just, you didn't just get us, you got all of our past, and it's killing you. And that moment when Nicole Kidman looks at him and says, couldn't have children. We made a decision to adopt you. You know, she goes on to say, there's enough kids in the world. We thought if we could take someone that needed love and pour all our love into them, then we were doing something good. God didn't adopt you because he couldn't have other children. Yeah. God adopted you as a choice. He planned it. That's why it says in Ephesians 1, 4 to 6, even before he made the world, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5, God decided in advance to what? To adopt. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. That's awesome. There's a quote by John Piper and you've got to capture, capture this. Adoption is God's, in God's mind was not plan B. He predestined us for adoption before the creation of the world. Plan A, plan A, I love how he writes this, was not lots of children who never sin and never need to be redeemed. Plan A was creation, the fall, redemption, adoption, so the full range of God's glory and mercy and grace could be known by his adopted children. Adoption was not second best. It was his plan from the beginning. 
So we've got to understand that because there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with being adopted. I love that it says so that, that you know, his plan A was creation for redemption, adoption, so the full range of God's glory and mercy could be known. Last week we shared that we go from glory to glory. We start in glory, the new creation revelation, the new creation miracle. It's within us. But then as we're transformed going through the metamorphia, we go from one level of glory and we're changed to the next, yeah? What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this that would adopt us as his very very own? He knew what he was doing and he knew what he was giving and he knew what he would be getting, yeah? I know some of you are thinking about the person on the other side of you thinking, oh, wow, God, really, what kind of love is this? <laughs> you know, I love the passage of Scripture in Galatians 4, 6, and it says, And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Right? Now, you've got to go with me here. The name Abba is a word of endearment, of great love, yeah, of great intimacy. And it's a name that often people don't use when they refer to God. And certainly we, we do here in this house and we've started. But it's a journey, you know. It's a journey to call God Papa or Abba because it, it doesn't feel familiar. It's actually quite, it, it's quite intimate, you know. And it, and it takes growing in our own relationship to get to that place. But that word Abba, it's an Aramaic word. And we've got to ask ourselves, why did Paul choose to use the word Abba twice? Why did he choose to use that, the word Abba in his writing? And I think the answer is really simple. It's because that's the way Jesus spoke. See, the Aramaic was the language that they used. So when you get a quote in the New Testament, though the New Testament's written in Greek, the words at the point in time were spoken in Aramaic. Yeah? That's why I love the Passion Translation, because it grabs some of the fuller meaning of that Aramaic text. Yeah? So... Jesus spoke those words in his native tongue. He used this this intimate word, Abba, for his father. So the truth is that virtually no one in the Jewish culture at the time referred to God with that endearing word, Abba. Virtually no one. So it was a word, it was a name that would have stunned the disciples. It would have caught them off guard. It would have caught them by surprise. Yet after hearing it, the disciples held on to it like it was a precious moment, a precious memory. A memory that when they heard this endearing word Abba spoken in the voice of Jesus in his own language. It just, it, it just would have left them gobsmacked to think, man, what kind of love does he have with the Father? Yeah? And where did the disciples, where, where did they hear him use the word Abba? Mark 14, 36 reads, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus is in Gethsemane. He's facing his death. He's at one of the greatest points of anguish that any man can ever go through. And in that moment, he still uses this word. He says, Abba, Father, this endearing, loving, intimate word to describe his dad. So 
See, when God adopted us, he gave us the very spirit of his son. And having the spirit of his son, he gives us, he gifts us the ability to feel the affections of belonging, yeah? To the very family of God that we're now a part of. See, this is why we read, read in Romans, this is why we can use the term Abba, yeah? Romans 8, 15 says, So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you yeah, as his own children. Now, we call him Abba Father. See, our adoption has changed our identity. He's no longer, oh, Father God in the sky somewhere, full of wrath. Yeah? He's now Abba Father. He's now Papa. He's now, there's an endearing love between us and him because of our adoption. Our identity has completely been changed. The old coat has gone, yeah? And we now wear a new coat as sons and daughters. So what kind of love is this? God wasn't silly when, when he chose to adopt us. See, we're now legally his children. Legally. We're adopted legally, his children. We belong, belong to him. How can God say that? How, how, can he, how can he decide that this is better for my life? He, you belong to him. He adopted you. He adopted you. He adopted me. That's how adoption works. You know, I've shared before that in the culture of the day under the Roman law, if you gave birth to a child, you could give the child away. No problem. That's cool. You can do that. See you later, Samuel. Bye, Nathan. Yeah? But when you adopted Samuel or adopted Nathan, it's now illegal for me to give away that child. God wasn't silly when he used the word adoption. When you adopted a child, they were yours forever, yeah? We are God's forever. There's a story of a couple who wanted children for many years, but they were unable to have their own. So I'm going to read this. So they began trying to adopt a child, and after years of waiting, a baby boy who needed a family became available for adoption. The couple stood before the judge and listened as the judge said to them, from this day on, this is your son. There may be times when he will disappoint you, there may be times when his behavior may break your heart, but he is your child. He will have your name, and I love this, and one day everything you own will be his because he is your son. When God adopted us, you understand, when he adopted us, the judge, if there was one having a conversation with God, said this these children will have your name and one day everything you own will be theirs the minute he adopted us because eternity is available now they exist at the same time heaven and earth yeah it's not something we're going to though we will but it's also something in the spirit that exists now everything he owns is now ours that's papa's heart that's why he chose to adopt us Everything the Father has is now ours. We're his children, citizens of heaven, members of his family. His adoptive love has restored us and brought us home.
And when we receive that adoptive love, as we sit in it and build our personal relationship with the Lord, we experience it more and more and more and more. You think about a child that's adopted, a foster child that goes into a home. Over a period of time, they experience more of the love. The love hasn't changed. The parent's pouring love out. But because of what they've been through as children, yeah, their hang-ups, they learn to trust, they learn to accept, they learn to live, they learn to receive, and it's a journey all the time that grows. Isn't that us with God? When you were first saved, did you believe God wholeheartedly in the same things that you would believe Him for today? Or have you grown in your faith? I would hope you've grown. I've, hope, I've grown in my faith. It's Papa's adoptive love in our lives. And once we take hold of it, yeah, it changes the way we love people. Changes the way we look at people. <laughs> changes the way that we treat people that aren't living the way that we're living. Changes the way that we speak to people that don't speak the same language that we speak. So the heartbeat of Christian mission is bringing sons and daughters home to the father's house. Yeah? So really, as we live in his adoptive love, we carry this homecoming anointing. When people are around us, they feel like they've just come home. Who's ever heard the words of anyone that's visited this church or a church that you used to go to, and, and you've heard these words, I just felt like I was home. Anyone ever heard that? I wonder why. Because it's the adoptive love of the Father that's upon us and in us that's working through us. So when people are around us, they feel like they've just come home. Yay! Wouldn't it be terrible if they walked into a church and go, oh, oh, no, see you, bye. <laughs> it's our mission. Legitimately, we are heaven's adoptive agency. Yeah? And the world is a giant orphanage that's just waiting, waiting to be brought home to the Father. So you and I, we adopt the unchurched, the unsaved. Yeah? We adopt them into our hearts. That's why we, have, that's why we treat them differently. When, when a parent is choosing a child for adoption, they don't start saying, oh, it's a terrible rec report card. I don't want you. You've had a fight before. I don't want you. I caught you swearing. I don't want you. Oh, you can't cook. I don't want you. You don't run very well. I don't want you. You can't see very well. I don't want you. They don't do that, yeah? The father doesn't do that. But we seem to do that, Yeah? The adoptive love of God, when it's working out from us, we look past their affirmities. We don't say, until you start dressing better, then you're welcome into the house of God. <laughs> I, I was more looking at Lyndon than Ben, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, like, we just don't. We, but it, it seems that we want to, rather than looking through the same adoptive lens that God looked at us through, we, we want to say, well, listen... We want to adopt you, but before we can, yeah, before we can, before we can adopt you, and you can be part of our family, um, you probably need to wear leather shoes on a Sunday, and uh, you need to stop smoking, and you need to stop drinking. All of those things are probably good, yeah? But you, hear my heart. Um, 
You've got to stop doing that stuff at home. You can't live that way. You can't do that. Oh, I found out if you're speeding every time you drive. Like, oh, so I know that. You guys are finished. Gone. You drive uh, 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 like a Holden Ute that looks like a car. You can't come in our church. Um, like, we, we start putting these stipulations on people because we want them to be holy. But the change doesn't come until we're adopted. And it's in that adoptive love as we experience him that he gives us everything from the moment legally, yeah? So we've got to operate in the adoptive love of God. That's our mission as a church, as a people, to love people the way that he loves us. Amen? Give God a clap because his love is awesome. Really, no, no, you can clap. See, when we're experiencing that love, nothing can distract us. There's a friend of Mel and I, um, Rachel and Stewie, and Rachel is Vietnamese, but she was adopted, adopted into an Australian family. And uh, when she was adopted into her Australian family, she was really young, I think maybe four months old, I, I can't remember exactly. But she wasn't the first child, she was the third child, nor was she the, nor was she the last child. They still had another child after Rachel. They just wanted to pour their love onto someone that needed it. Now, Rachel, if you know Rachel, she's totally satisfied, secure. She is part of their family. She's never desired to find a bi biological mum, ever. Has been content because the love was so great that it just changed her identity. She wasn't an orphan that was picked up in Vietnam in an orphanage that they couldn't find. She was Rachel O'Toole. She was Rachel. Now, a few years ago, they think they found the orphanage, the place that could have housed the orphanage. So she went back to have a look. And there was some hope that she may encounter and find her, her biological mum. But you know that when she was making the trip, the person that she asked to go with her was her adoptive mum. Yeah? And when they went, they found what they think was the orphanage. They didn't find, you know, any remnants of family or anything like that. Didn't find her mum. But she came back totally loved totally secure, totally satisfied, totally a part of their family because she had experienced for over 30 years of her life this adoptive love, yeah? And it created in her this brand new identity. Now, what manner of love is this? What manner of love is this? I think there's a reason that, that we adopt children and not adults, some of us are just so thick you know we would just never accept the love that was being poured into our lives because of all the stuff that we'd been through yeah we've got hang-ups this has happened that's happened you know i've been divorced i'm a recovering alcoholic whatever it might be you know so we someone starts to love us and deep down you know deep in our soul where that joy is supposed to be it's like i'm not good enough i'm not worthy enough now, a child starts there, but doesn't end there. A child seems to grab hold of this love that, oh my goodness, I, th I think these people really love me. And they'll test it a little bit. But they grow. They grow and they grow and they grow. See, children learn quicker and faster. As adults, we seem to hold on to our hurts and our disappointments like they're a trophy. If we were to be honest, some of us have got more trophies of hurt and disappointment in our trophy cabinet than we would care to imagine and share with other people if we were to be real, yeah? Often children who are adopted 
You know, they need extreme love. They've been physically abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused, you name it. They've been neglected. They have men mental health I issues. They have learning difficulties, you know. Um, some have been birthed through substance abuse. They've been given up. And the toughest job of an adoptive parent or a foster parent or even a step-parent is just to help restore the child's faith in adults again, yeah? Helping them to learn to trust. I reckon that sounds like a lot of us when we walk into the church, into the kingdom is probably a better word, yeah? Abused, some physically, some emotionally, some sexually, neglected, given up on, yeah? Some of us have got mental health issues and some of you are thinking, I always knew that about you. Some of us have had addictions, yeah? And the thing we struggle with the most is trust. Can we really fully trust Papa? Can we really, truly trust this God that they're talking about? Can we let our guard down enough? I think that's why, you know, we're supposed to be like little children in Matthew 18. He called a little child to turn to him and place a child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> his adoptive love has made us his sons and daughters, his children. And we grow in love and we grow in trust and we grow totally satisfied with him. And I think we're in the, when we're in the midst of that adoptive love, it brings to life what Paul was writing in Philippians in chapter 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Yeah? Think of it from a child's point of view. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in and in in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, now's the time to fulfill who we are and live out who we are and give out what we've received, this adoptive love. Particularly to those that are still orphans, to those that are still lost, to those that have not yet come home to Papa. And it can be a process, it can be a long process. But if we can see past the stuff in people's lives and adopt them into our hearts for who they are in the same way that while we were still sinners, yeah, he sent his only son, while we were still broken, while we were still messed up and mucked up, he looked past all of our stuff and adopted us. If we can look past all of the stuff that people carry when they walk into our lives, into our homes, into our workplaces, into our church building. If we can just look past the stuff and pour out God's adoptive love, it restores and redeems people, amen? Yeah? Why don't we stand? Um, do you mind playing the guitar? Is that all right, Ben? Just for a moment. See, without God, we don't have much of a future, but as his child, our future's bright, yeah? And before I pray, I just want you to ponder this for a moment. It's often said that birth children, biological children, receive unconditional love freely. But it's a lot harder, particularly if you speak to those that adopt or speak to those that foster, speak to those that are step-parents, it's a lot harder 
to pour out that same unconditional love in those that have been adopted, etc., etc., yeah? This is, this is where we've got to ask the question again, what type of love is this? What, what manner of love is this that he's bestowed upon us? Because Papa's adoptive love is so different. Father God planned to adopt us from the beginning. And he wanted us to see, witness and experience a love that goes beyond what we could ever imagine. Now catch this, unlike the norm, he planned before the beginning of time. Yeah, not plan B, this was plan A. He planned before the beginning of time to crucify his one and only, and if you'll allow me, his biological son so that he could have adopted sons and daughters. Yeah? That's what manner of love is this. What type of love is this? That our Father would do that. Like we are completely right in saying, what a psychopath. I can't believe he did that. That he would sacrifice his own for me. Man, I'm not worthy of that. But I am worthy of his love, amen? Totally, utterly, brand new coat brand new identity in him his love gives us identity and his adoptive love gives us our method of mission you know i just want to pray for those that need to experience this love that brings a child home yeah because some of you have never experienced the adoptive love of the father some of you still struggle with worth as i have struggled with worth but his adoptive love is not about our worth, it's about him, yeah? And some of us need to, to be able to operate in that adoptive love so that when we see others, those that, that, whether they carry a Christian name tag or not, that we look past their affirmities and actions and beliefs and we pour out the adoptive love of the Father, bringing them home to the Father's house, yeah? So... Well, Ben just plays the guitar. I'm just going to open the altar. And I totally understand if you need to go. Time has got away. But if you've got time and you want to experience some of God's adoptive love and you would like prayer for you, then I'm just going to invite you to come forward. Yeah? In Jesus' name. Amen.